Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Inves podcast. So we are going to be talking today about El Salvador, where I was last week, um, seeing all things Bitcoin and other. Uh, joined today by Michael Charalambas, uh, with a very complicated surname. Um, he is a director of Inves. Mike, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, well pronounced on the name. It is, um, it is uh, Greek Cypriot uh, origin. So I think depending on what school you went to or what area you got, grew up in, you either knew someone else with the same last name or you've never heard of it at all. Um, and yeah, so but yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Um, happy to see um, you know this podcast flying as always. And uh, yeah, good to speak with you then. Okay, so we, we got two Europeans here because I'm Irish, um, but Mike, you're based in Sweden, right? I am now, yeah. Um, born and raised in London um, and then kind of have lived uh, across the world for a while now, which is also so why I'm so interested to hear about this um, El Salvador trip. Um, yeah. yeah, the last few years spent in Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, and uh, now uh, Stockholm in Sweden for at least the next year or two. Okay. Okay. Cool. So yeah, obviously you're into traveling. Um, so pretty good topic today to talk about then. Um, to fill in everybody, I went for just less than a week uh, to El Salvador, mainly to just see what the whole story was around Bitcoin. Were locals accepting it? What did they think of it? Was it easy to use, etc. So uh, Mike, I think you've got some questions you're curious about. Uh, what, what, what do you think, first of all, of the whole Bitcoin El Salvador thing? Are you on board? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's always going to be question marks about when something is, uh, you know, forced on, on the people in the sense that, you know, uh, people didn't really have a choice, um, you know, they have to accept it. But then again, that we, we grew up just kind of being forced to accept the legal tender of our country. So, you know, we just weren't around when they first introduced it. Um, so there's kind of a question mark there for me. But out, given that I am pro-Bitcoin, pro-decentralization pro, pro uh, and so on. I think it's a good move. I think it's, a, it's an interesting uh, case study uh, to see how it goes. And, you know, there's been all sorts of headlines on it as well. You know, on the one hand, it's like this really healthy reports coming out of it. On the other hand, people are talking about they just withdrew it from their wallets, never used it again. And kind of, it's hard to know what the truth is right now. And uh, hopefully, you know, you can help us analyze that in the future as well. Um, so yeah, su super excited to hear about your your journey, really, um, and whether it was actually used. Do we do we start there? Yeah, let's start there. Um, so I would say, first of all, I kind of split my trip into two. I went to the city of so the country called El Salvador. The city, the capital city, is San Salvador. So I kind of split it in two. I spent half my time in San Salvador, and then the other half I went to El Zonte, which is more commonly known as Bitcoin Beach. So, uh, nice. yeah, right. So San Salvador, I would say anecdotally, 25% to 30% accepted Bitcoin. Um, and then in talking, that was from my own experience. And then in talking to locals, that kind of backed that up a little bit. So I was kind of asking, oh, how many places can you pay with Bitcoin? And then there was, well, there was a difference. How many, that was how many people you, places you could pay with Bitcoin. But then there was the other question, how many people actually do pay with Bitcoin? And that was always under 10%, I was told. Interesting. So, yeah. And so what, what, what are the variances here? So like when you were talking to these people, was this, you know, a, like a beach stall versus a, an establishment like McDonald's or a bar or like where were you using it? 
Yeah, so the, one of the first places I actually went to was McDonald's because I was like, let's just go to a huge, great franchise. I went right yeah. in. I went to one of those robot waiters, which I, I talked about in the article, which I'll link in the description. Yeah, yeah. And I typed in Big Mac and I could pay with that in Satoshi's and it was super easy. Lightning Network. It was just like uh, at home, we all use Re the Revolut app. I know it's the, the I think yep, it's the highest. It's my main bank these days. Yeah, great. It's the biggest private company in the UK now. I know Monzo is another big one and they have Venmo and Cash App in the US. And to me, using the Lightning Network was just like that. I used the Blue Wallet and I just, there was a QR code on the McDonald's uh, robot waiter thing and I just scanned it. Same when I went into Walmart. So I tried like some franchises like that. And for the most part, yes. I remember Pizza Hut didn't accept this. Um, and then some other restaurants didn't. But yeah, in general, I would say the more established supermarkets and restaurants, as opposed to like maybe small family owned businesses or corner shops, were more likely to accept Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, definitely in the city of San Salvador, it was majority no. And I, I very much needed uh, the old US dollars, unfortunately. Ah, see, that was gonna, that's my next question, really, is like, did you go there with the mindset that like, I will do everything in Bitcoin if I can? And, you know, as a follow up to that, like, at what kind of rate did you like, what was your success rate, I guess? Yeah, that's a, that's a funny question. So the day before I went, I flew from Miami. So I went to the ATM here in Miami. And I was like, I, I, I was like, okay, like, I'm probably gonna, I said, let's take out $1,000 to make it super easy for my trip. I didn't expect to spend that much in, in less than a week. So I was kind of cautiously optimistic, or I was very optimistic. I took 30% out. So I went to the ATM, I took $300 out in USD and I loaded up my lightning wallet with $700 worth of SATs. Right. So I was like, let's hope there's 70% Bitcoin acceptance rate. I knew from kind of researching and reading before that that was a little bit ambitious. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I found, what I found out. So always ask, could I pay in Bitcoin? And if I was told no, I paid in USD. But like got some, so so there were street vendors here and there that would accept it. Like I bought like little, you know, those little bracelets they sell and I, I feel yeah, like nice. every yeah, broad. So I, I bought yeah, it. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, uh, I, I hear you have a gift waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually is an E and an S. So when we meet in London, I can, I can give it to you as a present. Uh, so I bought that for $3 worth of sats and there was like, it was a little square. There was maybe 20 of those stalls around. And I went around pretty much asking, do you guys take Bitcoin? And nobody really did. And it was actually in the square of the Chivo ATM, which is the government run Bitcoin wallet. It's where you can go with your Chivo wallet and withdraw cash for Bitcoin or, or yeah. So yeah. I eventually got some woman who was like, oh no, 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 wait here. I don't take Bitcoin, but my husband does. And she ran across the square to her husband who was selling these papusa things, which are like, um, Kind of like, do you know what a, a rape is? It's like a kind of, it's a the Salvadorian snack. It's like kind of. I, 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 I kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he came over and he could, could accept Bitcoin on his wallet. So he showed me his QR code and I, I, I scanned it and, and that was easy enough. Um, but it was like a good little anecdote of that I was kind of going around all these stalls. And then eventually when I did find someone, it wasn't even her. Was, she'd, she'd go across and get her husband. And that's kind of like kind of symbolic of a lot of it because oftentimes like every taxi I jumped into pretty much any time I was talking to a local I asked them oh do you like Bitcoin what do you think and a few of them said like oh no it's I don't really know it but I have a friend who's big into it and I think it kind of comes back to what you said at the start of the call like I love Bitcoin too big fan of decentralization as are you and but there is kind of a different regardless of your thoughts on Bitcoin it is a little bit strange to suddenly wake up one morning 
and see, like the president of El Salvador, Bukele, he just announced at the Bitcoin conference here in Miami, yeah. actually, okay, Bitcoin is officially our legal tender. And like, if you imagine if they did this in Sweden or the UK, like how many people still don't understand Bitcoin? Like I'm always trying to explain to my parents and like, there's still so many oh, people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. like every, every single event, you have to try and explain it. I was going to ask as well, actually, about the, the wallet. Um, was it the Chivo wallet, right? Um, how, you know, how is that actually working? If you can explain to us and, you know, kind of to everyone, is that a case of when you, I guess, when you withdraw Bitcoin for dollars or withdraw dollars for Bitcoin, who are you transacting with? It's kind of like with the government's resources or is that with, how does that work exactly? Yeah, so this is where a lot of the issues actually came in. So when they okay. announced Bitcoin, it was kind of in conjunction with launching of this Chivo wallet, which is a government run wallet. Um, Chivo means cool in, in Spanish. So, of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the initiative was you join this to encourage people to do it. You join Chivo, the government run Chivo wallet, and you get $30 free of Bitcoin. Right. Now, you weren't able to withdraw that as cash, but I got one great anecdote from a guy called Eric who owned the bar, and he said that we were chatting outside in, in another square with another Bitcoin ATM. And he was like, first week, first two weeks, there was lines all around the block, people queuing to take these $30 out, and now it's just empty. Um, and he said that what, the way people got around withdrawing the $30 was they sent $30. So I would send $30 to you, and then you would send it back to me. And then because we've transacted, I either right to withdraw that. And then I withdraw it and then I never use Bitcoin again. And that's what happened to a lot of people. Um, there was also a lot of technical difficulties with the app. So a lot of people tried to download it. They couldn't. There were stories of identities getting taken and stuff. A uh, whole lot of... Uh, and, and that's kind of what brings me on to the next point is that I think the spirit of this was great, but the execution was poor. Like yeah. so much education is needed around Bitcoin. You, you, I, I don't think you can just do this overnight and launch this, especially... Like there's a edu educating the people and b making sure you've all the infrastructure in place, which Chivo did not yeah. have, and, and certainly not applying a layer of centralization on top of it. Yeah, that's the other thing that's kind of anti-Bitcoin, I guess. Is that I yeah, mean, even, even even if they had it, so that the setup was that you know the the ATMs interact with the relevant exchange, giving the best rate at the time or something to that effect. Even with a yeah. markup, it would be reasonable so that. You know who, who doesn't take a fee or skim off the top that's that's business but it, yeah just just centralizing it in the first place seems to be the, mis the main mistake here and of course then it leaves them responsible as well for the for the failures yeah exactly and, and you are very much liable to getting your funds frozen and achieve a wallet which is why so many bitcoiners are saying oh we use another wallet um but yeah then an, another thing which i thought was interesting which i noticed so when i bought say a pint with sats and i sent it to the bar owner yeah, which was really cool. But then I noticed when I took the photo that it had like converted from, so I, I, I can't remember, I think it was like $1.50 for the beer and it automatically converted into uh, US dollars. So it meant that the, the merchant didn't have to speculate on the price of Bitcoin, which which is very important. As much as I love Bitcoin, you, you shouldn't be forcing merchants you can, to speculate. You can understand that, yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's a hugely volatile instrument and not everyone is in a position where they can speculate their businesses revenue on Bitcoin. But this is only a new feature. When it was launched, if you got paid in Bitcoin, you had to hold that Bitcoin until you went to an ATM and withdrew it. So if you get paid, like, I don't know, if you have a big Friday night in your bar and you've got like a few hundred dollars in Bitcoin and then you go the next on yeah, Monday. The weekend volatility comes in on the Friday after the Friday evening.
Exactly. Elon Musk yeah. says something crazy and Bitcoin loses 20% of the value. So so that's yeah. important that they learned that out, that issue out at least. But um, yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it, the whole thing was just super crazy. Like it was honestly so surreal. I've been in Bitcoin for, for a while now and I've never transacted in real life before. Like not like that, like just buying yeah, like pints and McDonald's and taxis and everything. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and I, I, so ultimately, super efficient. Um, it works as well as, you know, your next best banking app um, in, in terms of what, what it could be going forwards. The execution in El Salvador, not necessarily the best way or kind of methodology in terms of how they handled it, but overall a, a positive experience. What, what I want to ask as well, and this is going to be hopefully, I think, quite relevant to a lot of the, the investors we see in, in cryptocurrency overall, let alone just Bitcoin, is they don't want to spend it. How did you feel knowing that your, you know, your investment, so to speak, because for a lot of people, Bitcoin's just an investment at first. How did it feel spending your investment on beer and burgers and whatever else you were, you were doing over there? Yeah, that's such a good question. I didn't like it and it felt so weird. Because <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like you say, just what I was saying, I've been in Bitcoin so long. And for me, my Bitcoin investment is my Bitcoin investment. And that's why this, the story I told about me going to that ATM in Miami, I wasn't like using my own Bitcoin. I very much took my fiat cash and I bought $700 worth of sats and took $300 worth of USD. Oh, so you didn't years. even allow yourself to dip into no. your holdings. You literally just bought some extra in order to use it. Right. Yeah, I did not know that the first time. No, no, no. So the, I used the blue wallet. And I think I've used yeah. it once or twice before just for playing around in the internet or something, but I, that's not where I store my Bitcoin, my investment right, Bitcoin. Right. This was very much, I downloaded, I used this for El Salvador. I put in $700 worth of sats. And this was my El Salvador experiment. It's it's too much of a mental barrier for me. So there was very much like mental accounting going on. It was like, my Bitcoin's over there. It's in cold storage. It's wherever. This this is now. And, and even even though you knew that, you still did. it still just didn't feel right yet because of that history that you've got with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a tourist there, so I'm not living in El Salvador. I might, if I was there for six months or something, I might be able to tell you something different. But for me, I was like, I'm here for a week. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Okay. It just doesn't feel right for me. I like Bitcoin too much to, to spend it like that. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I was going to ask as well regarding the, um, the fees, actually. So just that's kind of like the last thing I wanted to know about. Just for people who are thinking, okay, is this even worthy of a payment system? Were you able to kind of figure out whether it cost you more to use Bitcoin than it would have transacting again for the beer or the burger or something? Did you end up actually spending a little bit more or or less even? No, because it's it's all Lightning and it's like it's that side chain. So yeah, if you're not super familiar with Lightning, it's just essentially a side chain where transactions are resolved and then thrown onto the main Bitcoin chain. So it's super instant, it's super cheap, and it's just not an issue. And and, and like. That, that was a, a, a big part of it for me. I wanted to see is lightning all it's cracked up to be. And that's kind of why what I was saying earlier about to me, it just felt like Revolut or felt like Monzo, like which is the way it, it has, has to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's delivered on its promise. It, from that respect, yes. Like the issues yeah. here are not actually transacting. That's super easy. The issues are education and building up that kind of wallet infrastructure around it. But the, from Bitcoin's Amazing. point of view, Bitcoin's not letting anyone down. Yeah, and, and given everyone always has this to say as well, what 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 are we talking in terms of the transactions per second on on Lightning? I mean, can can, can we handle it if we were to go ten percent of the world or something like that? I think we can. I don't have the numbers to to hand, but okay. like Lightning, 
has pretty much um, delivered on everything it's promised to do. And like bar a, a tiny little minority that say, oh, it's not pure because it's off on side chain and you need to use this and that. But like, it has to be practical. In reality, it's doing everything it can. So I have nothing right. bad to say about Lightning. Um, and just, I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but in El Zante, which is Bitcoin Beach, the pickup there was way higher. This is where the whole experiment started. This is where Lightning oh, really right, of course, yeah. I would say it's like 70% accepted there. And like, I was going around like buying ice cream on the beach, like literally off push carts and just I take so out cool. as well. And I scan it and then you have your ice cream in your hand. So that was a, a whole new world, yeah. So it was it was really cool, and that, that's where you really see the power of lightning. That's awesome, um, and it, and for anyone that's interesting as well, I just uh, just had a read. Um, it seems to be about two hundred and fifty TPS, but that's per channel, and it's I think uh, per payment channel. And so, if I understand correctly, in terms of the way it works, there's a shit ton of um, channels in the network which run in coherence. So it sounds like it's pretty scalable. Where again, whether it's scalable to the to the to, to the comparison of, of Visa or PayPal, I don't know. Um, but it, it's up there. Yeah, like to me, I don't think it's ever going to replace, and I don't think it needs to. But I think the no. real power you see with Bitcoin is like when you look at things like remittances. Like I have a graph yeah. here. I'll, I'll throw it up on screen for the. The, the claim is the claim is with all their kind of uh, uh, with all their payment channels running in sync, you're looking at about a million per second in terms of transactions. But again, whether that's been stress tested or challenged, I, I don't know. Yeah, but like I don't think it even needs to take every transaction to show its power. No. Like if you look here, so the average fee on a remittance is six and a half percent worldwide. Now, if you look at the top fifteen, which is actually crazy, if you look at the top fifteen countries worldwide. For remittances as a percentage of GDP, El Salvador is here in eighth or ninth place with it. So 24% of their GDP is remittances. And wow. yeah, exactly, which which corresponds to like 390 million lost in fees per year. If you just send them a Bitcoin, it's instant. And that's the real power right there. Um, and then like even if you look at, so I'll, I'll throw up this chart as well. I mean, the, isn't isn't that lost GDP for the country as well, though? So kind of it's pro-Bitcoin. But not so much for, for for their own interests. Yeah, like it's. I don't know. I find it just so tough to get my head around six and a half percent. Like if you think, and these I mean, are, absolutely. From from the consumer perspective, I mean, I, we're we're on the obvious side here of, of of Bitcoin. But in terms of a a country willing to adopt, they're looking at a loss of revenue there. Um, and so, how do they replace that? A loss of revenue through the fees earned by remittance companies. You're saying, yeah. Well, oh, right. Foreign... Well, I guess what you're saying is that the the remittances are earned by the private companies anyway, which aren't necessarily based in El Salvador in this case. No, no, no. Yeah, we're we're talking Western right. Union and the like. So it's uh, absolutely yeah. yeah and those I mean, taxes are being paid to those to those relevant host countries as well when when not dealt, when not touched in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, to me, this is this is the real power. Like, it's it's it is fun games going around and paying for points, and it's nice to have that option. And if it works, like it is working through Lightning, that's great. But when you look at these lower income families, and a lot of them over the fifty percent of their income comes from these remittances abroad, and when they can suddenly save all that money per year on fees, like that's that is powerful, yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're really talking about, I mean, I, I know families like that as well from my travels. Um, there was one family I met in um, in Borneo, actually, and um, we, we stayed with 
with them and the the wife wasn't there and we sort of said oh well, you know because he talked about her a fair bit this guy and we said well where is she she'd gone elsewhere to another country to work and then she sends money home and this is exactly one of those scenarios where her money coming back uh, will be more valuable if sent via the by, by the bitcoin network Exactly. Yeah. And it comes down to like that idea of kind of financial privilege a little bit, which, which sounds like a terrible term, but it's almost like sometimes in the developed world, you, you take it for granted almost. Absolutely. Like that, that, that anecdote you told there about Borneo is like that happens to millions and millions of people in the developing world. Yeah. If Bitcoin can solve that and you can send it hassle free over over the network rather than and it's also there's a safety issue. I talked to somebody who said that he was like sending cash and his wife has collected and goes and collects like 200 USD yeah. from local, like, and, and then like... And they have to go into the city center or something when they live exactly. outside in a village, yeah. And locals know like that you're going in there to collect yeah. that money and you're coming out with it. So there's also a yeah. safety issue as well. It, I mean, it, I, it, it, I mean I, I've, I've seen that myself as well. So actually, um, so, well, for t- two things on that actually. So, I mean, first of all, I've seen that safety issue in, um, in Uganda. They have this so outside of the, yeah the western unions the banks and actually quite amusingly i've got a picture of this the samsung stores they have armed gods uh standing there with these massive massive machine guns and everything and they've got the dogs with them and that's just outside of your, your day-to-day bank uh, in the sea and so some someone's coming from the village they've done the hour journey they've gone in and just to get just to withdraw some cash and it's a security issue so that that's the first thing the second thing is people have often said to me as well, you know, well, how, how are they going to adopt this technology when, you know, they live in a village or whatever? It's like, yeah, but that's where you're mistaken. The majority of the world do actually have access to wireless internet. So be that over the 4G network or otherwise, um, mostly the 3G network, if you go out far enough. And and all of the, everyone has a mobile phone as well. So as much as kind of a lot of technology isn't available to what? you know, two, 2 billion people in the world, uh, most of the stuff that we need for, for, for people to be banked is available. Um, and, you know, that, that example from Borneo is the perfect one because the guy had no technology outside of his mobile, but his mobile streamed the Arsenal games for him. Um, it acted as his bank account, it acted as everything he needed. And so in that particular example, would have solved the problem. Yeah, like, and, and to... Add on to your point there about on banks, like seventy percent of the population of El Salvador is on banks, which was a big like point for, for pro Bitcoin here. And like, yeah, that, that's it's so easy to forget when you grow up in a country where bank accounts are so accessible. But like, if you don't have a bank account, you you can't store money, you can't build wealth, you can't save. It's so hard to own a home, improve your quality of life. So yeah, if you can just have an internet connection, that's a way for like Bitcoin doesn't discriminate, and that's where you really get. Into, to showing how kind of unique and revolutionary that the Bitcoin technology can be. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. So, over, uh, un- underlying statement about your your trip. Underlying statement. Uh, very impressed with how the Lightning Network functions. No real technical issues. Very easy to use. A little bit disappointed, although I wasn't kind of expecting it at the pickup. Maybe yeah, like I say, about thirty percent in the city. Um, but in terms of actually using Bitcoin. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And then I think there's a separate debate to be had about the method in which it was introduced. Like there was no referendum. It was just announced overnight. And 
yeah, perhaps we can save that for another day because I would definitely like to talk about the macro issues here and the, in, in the way that the El Salvadorian government is actually buying Bitcoin and holding it itself because I think that's a whole new debate. But uh, in terms of actually yeah, traveling there, yeah, yeah, good experience. And even if you don't care about Bitcoin, uh, go to El Salvador because it's it's beautiful. So many volcanoes, hikes, beaches. It's it's a great place to go. It is on the list. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for joining us today. And uh, for any listeners, I will throw the El Salvador article I wrote in the description. I will presumably be writing about it again going forward. And yeah, you can see all our socials and links down there. So thank you and see you next time. Hey.